Welcome back to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I'm your host, and we are back in business, folks. It's been about six months. I've been an essential worker lately, and so my few weeks turned into a few months. But we are back, and I'm starting with one of my favorite drummers from one of my favorite bands, Death by Stereo. Mike Cambra is on the show. I was lucky enough to meet him and Ephraim last summer when I was out on tour, and we're going to talk about their brand new album. Check it out. Hey, hey man. man, how you doing? Doing good. How things been, man? How things going? Oh, stressful times, you know. <laughs> yep, I do. <laughs> yeah, trying to make some changes and focus on the shit that keeps me sane. Yeah, I hear that. I'm gonna drop a record tonight at like midnight, just because I feel like it. You know. Really? Yeah, yeah. I recorded a mixtape a few months back and just kind of been sitting on it and. Okay, that's pretty cool. So this is my uh, my first one of these in a while. I took a break after like Christmas time, and yeah. so I haven't actually interviewed any bands yet this year. This is my first episode. So. I'm, the, I'm the first of 2020. Yep. Oh, dude, you waited for the best time for the best person, which is the worst time for the worst person. <laughs> I was like, because I've been doing another podcast as well. I don't know if I want to get back in the grind of having to find guests every week and go through. You know, that whole thing. And then I heard yeah. Death by Stereo's got a new record out. I'm like, oh, shit, we got to do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, you know? Yeah, man. How you been holding up through uh, quarantine and all that? It's pretty good, man. You know, it's, it's not as bad. You know, I've obviously it's made me stay home and take care of things that I've needed to. And I've been writing a lot of music lately. So maybe if had I been able to go out and do all these things, I wouldn't be at home writing music. Yeah. But, you know, I'll look the positive for it. That's good. Yeah. I wanted to just catch people up. We met last summer. Yeah, program, huh? Yeah, program, when uh, Dead Fucking Serious was on tour. Man, that was just one of the best nights of the whole thing for us. That was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, like, I knew that um, Ephraim was going to be there because he booked the show for us. Shout out to Aaron Micklow for hooking that up, by the way. Yeah. Because I followed that shop program, and I was like, man, these guys have the illest shows. Like, I would love to play that spot. But we didn't know anybody there, and Aaron was like, oh, let me uh, give you Ephraim's number. And I'm like, no, sh- what? Like, I've been listening to those dudes since yeah. I was 15, you know? Like, <laughs> That's cool. And, really uh, small world, you know? Yeah, man, and, and I didn't expect to see you there at all, and uh, so, yeah, it was just a great, a great surprise, a great night. Yeah, it really was, man. It was, it was a good surprise. Like, I'm stoked to see you guys there. It was fun. First yeah. I heard you guys, so I was rad, you know? Yeah, we don't get out as much as I would like, but um, yeah, that 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 record was really really well received. That tour was really fun. Yeah, it was really good. It was. You gave it to me that night, and it was stuff. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. So, you have been in the band like a decade now, which is yeah. I think I, I just hit ten years a little bit ago. Yeah, and that's like the basically if you combine all the earlier drummers <laughs> all together. Yeah as long as everybody else. So I'm curious, like I first heard these guys on Punkarama. I think it was looking out for number one. I'm curious, what was your intro to Death by Stereo? My intro to Death by Stereo, I want to say the first song I heard is actually my favorite, which is Wasted Words. Mm. And I can't recall like the, the moment I heard it or whatever, but that was the first song I ever heard by the band. And given, I think that that song is, kind of a different song for the band anyways. Yeah. You know, the band at that time, the first however many, three or four records, was super chaotic, and that song seemed to have been like the most, oh, it only really has two or three parts to it, 
yeah. it's more you know, catchy, you know, like that, all that kind of thing. And then, it, then I explored everything else they did, you know, and I was actually, I was, I was a pretty big fan before I ever got in the band. Yeah, dude, that was a mean fucking record. I remember when yeah. that came out, we were playing this little show at like a strip mall or something, and... Um, we had that record on repeat as the house music because it had just come out that day and we were just, we could not get enough. Like, one of the nastiest guitar tones I ever heard on that album. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a thing I really liked about the band before I got in it was, you know, like, uh, some people will look at a lot of member changes as like a bad thing. Oh, it's not, uh, you know, not all original members, but I kind of view it as like different members on different records make those records sound different. Yeah. And so you actually, from Looks to Kill, you know, to Day of the Death and all those, they all sound like different bands in a sense, but they all sound like Death by Stereo and the same thing, you know? There's, there's things that all sound similar, but most things sound different enough to where it, like, it, it does sound like a different record, which is the same reason why I like my favorite band, which is Propagandi. It's like every record sounds like a different band. Yeah. I really like when bands do that, so it attracted me that Death by Stereo to that. What's your favorite from Propagandi? Well, I'll have to say... My favorite record in punk rock happens to be the same rec- favorite record of them, which is, uh, why am I spacing on the fucking name? Right after Let's Talk More Rock, the fucking third album they put out. Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes? Yeah, Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the most important records to me in punk, because it's like, they did a lot of things that not, and, you know, I've said this and been argued by this, like, I- I'll say they did a lot of things that no one, you know, not a lot of punk bands have really done. And then someone will pull up an obscure band from the 80s, early 90s, and it's like, well, okay, fine, I get it. Yeah. But they did it in a way that, you know, I had never heard at that point. So That's yeah. true, because I think of you guys as one of the first times I ever heard, like, punk and metal being combined in that way. But yeah. I was late to Propagandi, and so I didn't really get them until Potemkin, and then went backwards. So that's interesting for me to think about, that, like, there's actually some lineage there, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know if any of the rest of the band members were really ever influenced by them for songwriting purposes, but, yeah, I mean, even for, like, I first heard Propagandi on Let's Talk More Rock, because my brother, which is their second record, and my brother showed me that, yeah. and from there, I kept wanting to look at more stuff, and so then, obviously, I checked out How to Clean Everything, which is, like, the album when it comes to, like, kind of 90s skate punk, Yeah, which is funny, because they're not a skate punk band at all, you know, so it's kind of like, yeah. it's really funny that they're, like, you know, Harold is, like, insanely rad band in that genre but then on you know later records down the line a lot of those fans that think kind of dropped off and they got a whole new batch of fans you know well and my favorite of theirs well with most bands my favorite is like the meanest fastest angriest shit and so Definitely. supporting cast to me is just like so good oh my god because they, they took all the thrash shit and put it right up front in your face and that, that's what I love about Death by Stereo too I mean I remember sitting in my bedroom in like ninth grade learning the guitar solo on like no shirt, no shoes, no salvation. You know, like I had never heard a punk band try and do some shit like that, man. It, I don't know. Like I, I try really hard with DFS to not put the, my metal influences in the band. I try to match it with the intensity of it, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, that, you know, that's, I think like the whole term, like metallic hardcore as well. Like, yeah. you know, it, they all feed off each other a little bit. Inherently, there's some punk and metal, and there's some metal and punk, and this and that. My personal favorite is when you blur those lines a lot, and I know that that typically will put a band in a almost a state of genre limbo. I kind of think. Yeah. I feel like that's when bands get those really core cult fans is when you kind of have that weirdness to them. 
but then again, you're the reverse is you're not getting those like more mainstream fans, I guess, which is always good to get because whatever you want to you want a concert to be packed. Yeah, it's like a show when there's a lot of people going nuts, but and I know it's harder to do when you kind of are in between genres a little bit, but it's still fun to write. It's like you know, it's worth it. But, you know, I've been in bands before that kind of mix genres and are always the odd one on the bill. And yeah. it kind of means you can cover more ground, though. Because, I mean, you guys, you know, I would see with, like, Sick of It All or Bane or something like that, and it would make perfect sense, even though you don't necessarily sound exactly like those bands. But then you could also go out with AFI, and, you know, these bands have more, like, sing-along, anthemic choruses and shit like that and, and work just as well with either crowd, I feel like. What's funny is, like, all those bands were kind of the same, you know? AFI, yeah. Bane, all the, I think in the 90s, like, that was kind of under one roof at that point. One, because there wasn't as many bands that did the genres. And two, it kind of all had that a similar vibe while still sounding differently. Yeah. Know? We did the last Bane tour, or we did a few shows on the last Bane oh, tour. Oh, really? And, like, dude, it was, it was rad. I, I saw a lot of fans at Death by Stereo that I didn't know. Like, I had never seen the shows before. Yeah. Maybe they were older fans, and Bane brought them back out, you know? But it, it was a really cool mix. You know, it was cool to see both, to see a lot of Bane fans that maybe I wouldn't have seen in Death by Stereo show had then I've been playing. Yeah. But them getting down, and it, was, it was a really supportive crowd, even though we sounded, like you said, a lot different. You know, we were, we were playing, we might have even covered Slayer at that show. I don't know. <laughs> and everyone dug it. It was fun, you know? I mean, those guys are one of the best live bands as well. Okay, so good. It's the kind of band that I would like, at at this age, I would rather watch on video than even be there because I get my ass kicked. <laughs> like, I want to be up in the front row singing along and shit. And I was like, I, I couldn't hang with them now. <laughs> yeah, it gets, it gets rowdy, man. Those shows get, you know, those shows get rowdy. Especially, it's, it's cool to see the resurgence of that kind of hardcore again, you know? Yeah. The whole youth crew stuff is definitely like big again you know it's a thing at least again yeah man it's really weird like when uh dfs started it was like oh oh six and all the bands coming through would be like metalcore and i don't mean like you guys but i mean like super down tuned constant breakdowns like we want to see some people bleed out there you know like just like a whole different vibe right and we're playing this super fast shit Nobody liked it at all. We played for a few years and then took some years off and we came back in like 2017 or something. I was like, whoa, there's all these fucking bands that sound like us now. Like, not, not like sound like us, but I mean, like that style is, yeah. is a thing again. It's everywhere. Yeah. I love the yeah, old school cool. shit. I wanted to ask, what were you doing in terms of other bands prior to Death by Stereo? I kind of just grew up playing, you know, like most people, like high school bands, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I had a few punk bands in high school that I played in, my friends. After high school, I ended up kind of moving around quite a bit. I kind of took a little break from the punk scene. I, I wanted to move away from California, so I moved to Tennessee for about a year. Then I moved to Northern California, specifically in uh, Humboldt County in Arcata. And so I didn't play in any punk bands for quite a minute. And then when I was 23, I ended up moving back down to Southern California to try for like, kind of like a local punk band called Cry Havoc that was like playing some shows strung out, this and that. Nice. I hadn't really done any touring that time, you know, so I was like, oh, this is rad. This band's playing some cool shows. I had a few buddies that called me really late night that were a fan of that band. I didn't know who they were at the time. And they told me, they're like, all right, you're done being a hippie, dude. Come join a fucking punk band again. Like, come back down here, you know? Yeah. And 
it, it made sense. So it was actually a good time to do that. So I did. Ended up getting in that band and just playing a bunch of local shows, this and that. So eventually I met JP at Death by Stereo. He was playing in a band called Skyline Collapse. So our bands used to play a lot together. And then like band I was playing in wasn't really that active anymore and neither was his band. And at that time he had started playing with Death by Stereo already. And so he let me know on one of the tours they were doing. He's like, hey, I think we're going to need a drummer coming up. If something that you'd be stoked on, start learning some songs. Yeah. To make another long story short, me and him had started another band right before that called Common War, which we still have going right now. Yeah, and, I've seen that. Yeah, and so we had started jamming together at the studio that I had in L.A. with my other band, and Death by Stereo ended up meeting a studio. Coincidentally, they had one in the same building as us, in downtown L.A., downtown rehearsal in L.A., but they needed to move. So I'm like, well, fuck it. You guys could, you know, the band can move into my studio or our studio. Totally rad. It's a big room. And I was like, fuck, I don't know. Death by Stereo can move in here. would be sick. Yeah. And so when he told me to start learning songs, I, just, I saw their set list on the wall, and I, I started kind of just, all right, I should probably start learning these. So by the time I got a hold of uh, Dan Palmer, and he was like, yeah, learn these three songs. And so I learned those three songs, and didn't really mention it, but I just learned more songs. So when it came time to jam, I knew a few other songs, and it was, it was a good thing. You know, I, I think that helped me out quite a bit. And luckily for me, they're on a time crunch. So they had a tour, I think in like a month or so, that they needed a drummer for, and it was, it was a North American tour with the Agnostic Front. Oh. So I ended up getting it, going on tour with them, and that was my first show I played up by Stereo, was at the Redwood Bar in downtown LA with the Agnostic Front. Then it was fucking chaos. Dude, that's so, insane. It was I've, a cool introduction with the band. I've played the Redwood. It's like fucking this big, man. Like, that's insane. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. So imagine the Agnostic Front's crowd there. That's insane. That's chaos. And even another little tidbit info. I never, like, I had met Ephraim before, like, yeah. at shows, whatever, but not, like, a name-to-name, like, he wouldn't have known who I am, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And he actually didn't make any of the practices that we did before that tour. <laughs> so I think we had, like, two or three practices as a band. Yeah. I, my first time playing, like, 15, I don't know, 16 of their songs, I met Ephraim. We were literally on stage at the Redwood Bar. Ephraim isn't there yet, because he did... DJ clubs and he threw a club at that point. I think it was called Heavy. I'm not sure, like a dubstep thing. Yeah. So he had to go set up for that. And so we were setting up for our show and he was driving at the time. So we're set up on stage. We're ringing out, hoping he shows up. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the door pops open and he comes running through the crowd, goes on stage, introduces himself, like, hey, I'm Ephraim. Let's play a show. And that's my introduction to really meeting him. Was on stage right before we played uh, Bench Purge. It's crazy. Dude, that's the craziest shit I ever heard. So, is this also yeah. your first, like, legit tour, basically? Because you were saying that yeah. Cry Havoc was mostly local. Yeah, yeah. So, we had done, like, you know, ran, like, Arizona or Las Vegas shows. And I had joined a band I played with for a little bit called the Malheru, who was, like, a, whatever, who was a band from out here, too. And so, we did, like, a two-week tour. which was, it was like, a, a pretty proper DIY tour, you know? It was my yeah. first DIY playing, you know, a show every night for two to three weeks, you yeah. know, going, getting in the van and bailing. And so that was, like, my first little intro. But, yeah, that tour, the Ignostic Front one, dude, it was, like, five, five and a half weeks. So the the, Front. not only the first show with the band, but, like, your first legit tour starts out yeah. meeting the singer on stage and just count in. Yep. And the second we got done, before we even, like, you know, did our black cat cat, yeah. uh, like, before our thing, 
he was like, good meeting you, man. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. And he left to go <laughs> shut down the club or to, you know, to go handle the club he's doing. So That's so good. I, I met him on stage, and he left off stage, and the next morning when we actually left for the tour is when it was like, okay, you know, we're all meeting kind of. That's so, awesome, man. It was chaos. It was a good memory. I don't remember that for a long time. I was kind of taken aback when I met him because I've seen you guys on stage and I've listened to these records for years and like his intensity, he's got like three or four different screams and shit. I mean, he's nuts on stage. And so when I met you guys and he's just like the most laid back, chill dude in the room, I was like, wait, what? It? Like, I see your face. You're the same dude. But like, I, it was not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, his vibe is very positive, you know. Anyone that meets that guy thinks that, you know. It's, it's everything's stoked and just want to have a good time. Smiles all across the board. Yeah. You know, it's a good vibe. I kind of love that, you know, when you can play, like, some super intense shit on stage and then smile and be hugging people in the crowd afterward, you know, and, and like, oh, I, I got this out. Now, now I'm good. I mean, I think that's what it is, though. That, that's exactly what you just said. Now I got it out. Like, I think yeah. that... It's, it's such a good release for that kind of stuff, you know, whether it be a person going to a show or you're actually in the band playing the show, the intensity that you can release during a concert like that is just, you, you release so much aggression. Yeah. And I, I think it'd be really hard to not feel a, feel a relief after that. Yeah. Like, I've never been really a violent, angry person. I've always been pretty happy, you know, I've smoked weed most of my life and shit, so... It, I've never really had a lot of that, but I also think that maybe playing in bands and being into hardcore from an early age maybe was the reason. Yeah. You know, you get to release, you know, your anger and all this shit through listening to this music and just vibing out. You could be in your room listening to it, but you're still kind of like releasing some vibes by listening to that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a high-strung person. I mean, I'm, I got a temper a bit, and so that l lends me to punk rock, you know? I, I got a, yeah. a tour mate that uh, told me once, they're like, you know, if someone meets you before the, the set, they're meeting an entirely different person than the person they would meet after the set. I'm like, yeah, that's probably true, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's okay. They're getting a two for one, though, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we get uh, too deep into Death by Stereo, um, you also have played not with just Common War, but uh, you're in Adolescence. Yeah, yeah. How did that come and, to be? And, uh, well, I've been playing for about, like, I think, like, six or seven years, I guess, at this point, give or take. Yeah. Um, and actually, Ephraim is kind of the reason why I got that gig. So, you know, Ephraim's in Manic Hispanic. Yeah. And before before Steve Soto passed away, um, he was obviously started Manic Hispanic, and so they were in the same band together. And Steve, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Ephraim might correct me on some of this, but... He, uh, Steve, I think something about telling him they needed a drummer for one show because their drummer was out on tour with another band. And it was a show in Palm Springs. It was kind of last minute. And Ephraim's like, dude, our drummer, Mike, would probably love to do it. Like, you know, I'll hit him up. And so, to make a long story short, you know, I, I got in contact with Steve and was like, yeah, I'd love to do this. Are you kidding me? Fucking play a show for that adolescence yeah. in like two or three weeks. And it was awesome kind of the same thing at Death by Stereo we had two practices to learn I, th I think it was like it was like 20 songs that night it was fucking bizarre damn and our singer Tony 
he didn't come to a practice. <laughs> it's so the same shit. It, it, is, it was a little hard, to be honest, man, to learn adolescent songs. It's almost a little harder than Death by Stereo, especially without lyrics, because Death by Stereo's parts are very different from each other a lot yeah. of times. Like, every song sounds pretty drastically different, you know? And same drum-wise, they're all pretty fucking different. Yeah. So adolescence, you know, it's more classical punk, classic punk rock. So you have some parts that don't make sense because at the time they're being written by like 16, 18 year old kids. Yeah. And so me trying to put, you know, I had to count all the time because one part will go like 10 different, 10 times. Whereas in Death by Stereo, like we can't do a part more than three times. Yeah. It's like, you know, the band's a little more ADD and that, or ACD and that, whatever, ADD. So it kind of took me a minute to really learn 20 songs and be able to tell them apart without a singer. So by the time, I, whatever, by the time I played the show, it was a really good show. It was really fun. I think I only really fucked up one thing pretty bad where we, <laughs> five seconds into the song, we had to like start the song over to the Yeah. So whatever, it happened really quick, so no one really cared enough. And that was cool. That was that. It showed up going good. And then a few weeks later, Steve Soto called me back up and he was like, hey, I don't know what your plans are this summer, but would you want to do a tour? I'm like, well, yeah, I think yeah. So. Like, what's up? Yeah, and so he's like, all right, we lost our drummer. In a few weeks, we're going to the East Coast for two weeks. And then a few weeks after that, we're going to Europe for five weeks. Can you do it? Damn. Yeah, dude, I just got a new job, like a bartending job. And yeah. So I probably worked two days at that job already. I hit the owner of the bar up, and I'm like, hey, man, I got an opportunity. I have to say yes to. Like, if I'm no longer, if I no longer have a job when I get home, I understand. Yeah. But I, I had to talk about this. He's like, dude, go do it. You'll have a job when you get home. No worries. That's awesome. So... I went, yeah, I went, and I fucking did these tours with them. During the uh, European tour, Steve asked me if when we got home, if I'd want to do some drums for a record. Fuck yeah, I want to do the Adolescence record. Yeah. yeah. And so, it just, it just kind of kept progressing up and up and up from there. You know, you do the first tour, and the second tour is good, and then they asked me to do the record, and then during that, I think it's kind of when the question happened, and he's just like, so do you want to keep doing this? I was like, yeah, I want to keep doing this. Yeah, I'm in, man. That's, That's when the juggling act came, is, you know, when I kind of when that when that happened. I usually have a lot of different projects going as well, but I try to keep mine kind of small. You know, I've got the band, but I've got like a duo, and then I've got me solo. But like when you got three bands, all different members, I mean, that's got to be a nightmare to keep s- straight for scheduling. I mean, it, I'd have to say I, I owe a lot of the. Uh, the success of it being able to happen to Death by Stereo because since everyone Death by Stereo is in like three or four bands, you know? Yeah. Dan is in Zebrahead, Death by Stereo, Dirty Black Summer, Billy Bio, I think at times he plays with her, plays with all the time, and Ephraim, whatever, he's in like 19 bands, JT, yeah. he's in other bands, he was playing with Austrian Dutch Sheen for a while. Now that's not happening anymore, you know, Death by Stereo, Commodore, and Robbo has his own band, Caustic. Death by Stereo, he jams with other people all the time too. They have like a Slayer tribute band that Dan's in as well. So through Death by Stereo, I swear to God, there's like 10 to 15 bands collective. Damn. So everyone's really cool with trying to make it work. You know, like if Dan can't go on a tour, which you know it happens, it happens often, we get a fill-in. If I can't go on a tour, we get a fill-in. Yeah. If JP ever couldn't, we get, you know, the only one we can't get a fill-in for is, is obviously Zephyr. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes that, that'll be an issue, not an issue, but, you know, we'll have to postpone things here and there. But it's cool because it's everyone, everyone tries to help everyone out, you know? Yeah. Like, no one really gets shit if you can't do it to her. Like, you're probably like, dude, I got to do this adolescence thing. I can't do this. Everyone helps. Everyone's just like, 
no worries. We'll make it work. It's fine. Well, that's really nice, man. Like I actually, after I met you, we had just found out that my drummer was about to have a baby and I was like, Oh shit, we just dropped this record. Like I wanted to do more. And for a split second, I was like, man, I wonder if Mike would play some shows. And I was like, ah, I'll wait. Well, if I had time, I told you, well, I love it. You know, I don't, I don't mind. Yeah, you know, life's kind of busy at times, but when you have the time open, you can do it. Yeah. Why not? So it's fun, you know? I mean, nobody's playing shows now, so I guess it was good timing for him to have a kid, but... Yeah, very ideal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to dive into Black Sheep of the American Dream. Um, in my opinion... I think that's the best DBS record. I mean, that's my personal favorite. Um, you know, that's if, cool to hear. Thank you, dude. If I'm having a bad day, that's that's the shit I want to put on to you know to get it out. And uh, man, uh, it it was like from I I remember looking at the credits, just first track, because you are ripping right out of the gate. Like both you and is it Dan or JP that does the solo and in the intro for that? Uh, that record yeah. oh my god like i'm yeah. yeah just between the two of you just going off before the verse even starts i'm like okay what the f- who is i was like this sounds like the first record like who's in the band right now i'm like thumbing through yeah, and i'm like know. i'm like mike i don't know mike but this is fucking great <laughs> yeah no, that, that was the first song that we had written together since i was in the band so yeah it was really cool i was really pumped on that you know like the the vinyl we did we did a seven inch with a with the what the fuck is going on and I forget what other song was on but two of the songs that was the first vinyl I had ever been on so, yeah. and I was never a vinyl collector so my first vinyl I ever got in my life was that so it was that's cool. badass you know? yeah that was, that was a fun album man that was, that was a pretty crazy time of life because the band was really busy back then yeah. so like the first two years I got in the band we were touring quite a bit so it was it was a it was a, it was a cool change for me you know and was so Paul played on the record. Was he in the band uh, at the time you joined? No, he wasn't. We had uh, we had Jeff Clark that was playing in the band at that time. Okay. So yeah, and in, be- in between him and Robbo, uh, Paul helped us out because he records everything we do, you know, typically, anyways. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're a fucking shreddy bass player, so why not? I just thought the sound of that record, it. It sounds like a real band in a room, you know. Paul's got that great, really naturalistic sort of sound. Yeah, he does. Like, um, I don't know, man. It it felt like one of those records where, you know, a band will, like you talked about, the members change, and so they're like, oh, we'll go a little in this direction. Like, you know, uh, Day of the Death was a different record, or uh, Death to Life was a very different record, you know. And then down the line, usually, you'll get one of these that's like, this record just sounds like everything you like about this band. It's kind of got every little style wrapped into one thing. And I don't know, that, yeah. that's how I feel um, about that album. I'm stoked how it came out, you know, I'm stoked people received it well. For me, it was my, it was my first, like, I just have to say, it's my first record really put out. Yeah. You know, like, majorly, like, distributed worldwide and shit. So it was, it was a pretty cool situation for me. I was, I was really happy about it. That was uh, Viking Records, Viking Funeral. Yeah, Viking Funeral uh, over here, and then Concrete Jungle, I think, pretty much everywhere else. Did you guys end up playing shows with Pennywise or anything to support that, since it's Fletcher's label? I think we did a few shows, not a lot. I don't, I don't remember if we really did any touring with them, but yeah. I know we, we had a handful of shows like throughout the year or so with them. Nice. They've always been really cool to us. They've been, they've always been super fucking good. Like, 
they've done like quite a bit with us. You know, they've asked us to do a lot of stuff. We're all really cool guys, and Fletcher doing it is just like that guy's the most legendary guy in punk rock. You know? Yeah. Especially for our, you know, for our generation of punk, you know, like that guy is he's it. He is punk rock. So it was really cool to be doing something associated with Fletcher. That dude intimidates the shit out of me. Is another one where it's like, like man, you know, you you want to meet your heroes, but I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to hang out with Fletcher. Like, he's kind of notorious for fucking with people, isn't he? He is, but it, you know, I also noticed he most of that is fucking with his friends. Oh, really? Which I don't know if it makes it any easier to get, but the guy, he's seriously one of the nicest dudes, though. You know, while still being a reputation for going completely nuts at times. <laughs> he's such a fucking nice guy, such a cool guy, down to earth. Nice. You really get that, like, he, it seems like he still acts, you know, not acts, but like, yeah, it seems like he still acts like a dude who isn't in a band that is the most, one of the most popular punk bands in the world. Yeah. He still acts like just a normal guy, you know? No ego. He just likes to party. You know, the crazy stuff he's done in Pennywise is probably the same shit he's done his whole life. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he's really changed, you know, he's the same rad dude. That's great. Now, I missed one record, and that was uh, Just Like You Leave Us, We've Left You For Dead, the EP. Yeah. I've just never seen in person that album at any record store I've been or i never come across it. So when you hit me up and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be about 20 or 30 minutes, I was like, you know what? I'm going to look up this EP and listen to it real quick. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. man, you got some bangers on that record too. Thank you, man. It's a different sound than the Paul Minor thing. Who did you work with on that? Oh, Paul's done everything. I've been the band. It's done Paul. Actually, to be honest, everything I've recorded since I've been in Death by Stereo is pretty much with Paul. He did that EP? Yeah, yeah. Weird. The, the drums sound considerably different on that one. Yeah, the tones are way different. I think the, the first one, I think Paul was going for a little more of a raw kind of sound. Yeah. And uh, the EP... Kind of going to clean up a little bit too. So yeah, yeah. I noticed right away in that snare it had like a tighter, poppier sound, and then just those huge, wide panned vocals on the choruses and stuff. And I was like, "Whoa, did they get a different producer again?" Yeah, no, just went for a different sound this time. You know, that's cool. It's fun. You know, can't complain about it. Yeah. We just recently did one with him that we're going to be releasing. Fuck, I forget the date. I'm forgetting the date on the album we're going to release really soon. Uh, hang on. August 7th? I, August, yep, August 7th. I have it here. Okay. All right, good. There you go. And we're really stuck on that. The sound of it's a little cleaner, kind of like the EP. Yeah. And I'm pretty stoked with the song. I think some of these songs are the, my favorite songs that have been written since I joined the band. Really? Yeah. Ephraim said it's... Really, it was really fun to drum to. I read a quote from Ephraim that it's pretty fucking pissed off. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of really pissed off shit in that. You know, it, it's, I think it's considerably more aggressive than the last album. All my favorite shit from you guys is just the meanest, most intense, fastest shit, man. Like, Let Down and Alone or like Middle Fingers or just those like really over-the-top moments, you know. Uh, yeah. The shit that I can't get enough of from you guys. Before we get too far off the EP, I was very surprised at the end of it. There's a voicemail from Michael Anthony? Is that from Van Halen? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, you know, Dan, one of his favorite bands is Van Halen. So That's amazing. I think, I think it was Robbo who got... I, I could be butchering this story, to be honest with you, but I think it was Robbo who got... who made that call happen. Really? Yeah. 
That's so great, man. I was I had tickets to see him with uh, Sammy Hagar in uh, September coming up, but they obviously had to cancel the tour. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool, though. I got to see them as Van Halen in like 2004 when they did a reunion tour. And like, man. Hagar? Uh, yeah, it was Hagar, and, and uh, cool. uh, Michael Anthony was still in the band at that point. And man, w- just. What a phenomenal voice that dude is, man. Like you you think of Van Halen as like whoever's the front man at the time, but like it's his backup vocals, his harmonies that make that sound, you know? Oh, and his era in the band too. The songs they wrote were really, really good. Yeah, now, like I don't think they're personally I don't think they're as party as the Daily Roth stuff, but Yeah. Like when you look at it from purely like songwriting stance, dude, those songs are amazing. Yeah. They wrote with Hagar. You know? Uh, Dan Palmer could have a conversation like 20 hours with you about all that, but <laughs> he's he's a he's a bit of a fun guy on that. But yeah. So you guys, cool. uh, ba- so back to the new record. This is why I wanted to have you on. The shit I'm really excited about. How many songs we got this time around? I think there's 10 on this, and then we have a batch of songs that we're going to be releasing like after considerably. We we had a bunch of those songs that we're going to rework and kind of put that as well and through this whole COVID thing, we've even individually wrote a lot more songs. So, Oh, wow. We'll have a, we'll have a lot of music coming out, you know, for that, a while. That's great, man. We, we've been waiting. Like, it's been a long time. Yeah, it takes us a lot, man. You know, like, everyone in the different bands and stuff, it's, we can't get to things as quickly as we'd like. Yeah. But, we got we got a good bunch now, and we have some more stuff to work on for the future, too, so we're pretty pumped on it. So you guys just did the 20th anniversary reissue of if looks could kill yeah with indecision and now yep. the new records back with indecision yeah that's kind of what we you know when we talked to dave because you know dave's still a good friend of everyone especially you know like dan from from back in the old day and yeah. like it seemed like a pretty cool idea to go with you know going back to the original label that put out the first record so it's a really cool dave's awesome indecision you know they're the shit so it's pretty rad to do it pretty rad to be putting out another record at the time that's great, man. I, I hadn't heard that name in a long time, and then uh, this band came through called Skullcrack, and I was blown away by those guys. They played out here at this they're, spot. They're one of my favorite local bands right now. Yeah, man. They, they played at this spot out here called Old Nicks, and I was, man, they blew me away. And then I, I was like, oh, you guys are on Indecision? No shit. And then I think it was right after that that you guys did the reissue. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I was like, Dan, I, f- I feel like I'm in high school. I haven't heard this name in a long time, but they still got a, a, a good eye for talent, I guess, because those guys fucking rule. What's funny, too, is Eddie has actually filled in on some shows for us, too. Oh, There's really? Eddie's, he's such a bad motherfucker when he plays guitar, man. That guy's so good. So, it, it's you know, it's, it's kind of hard finding someone who could fill Dan's shoes, you know, or at least yeah. step in. And we've been lucky with, you know, having some guitar players who stepped up to play, did really good. And Eddie, he's that guy, too. I think I think we had, like, one practice with him, maybe two. Yeah. And I told him when we've told other guitar players in the past, hey, if there's a part you forget, just start soloing. Yeah, just shred. <laughs> and, yeah, just start shredding. Eddie shreds, so if that ever happened, you, don't even, you can't even tell. It's yeah. Amazing. It was really fun, you know? I remember uh, I met Dan one time. It was, like, a show at the Roseland in Portland, they played with one guitarist and I was like, yo, like, I was like, you killed it tonight, but like, what, what happened? He's like, oh yeah, Tito left the band. Like there wasn't any time to get somebody. So like, we just 
fucking went with it. That was pretty cool just to see him front and center. Because, I mean, Death by Stereo has got a lot of great, like, back and forth trade off, like Maiden shit or like dueling guitar parts, you know? Fucking in uh, uh, high school, my first hardcore band, we used to cover Emo Holocaust, you know? They had the fucking, like. I love playing that song, man. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool just to see him uh, uh, killing it by himself, you know? It really, really just shows how much he's bringing to the table. Oh, he brings a lot, man. He, that, it, yeah, it, it is known by most people, but even if you know, someone doesn't realize it, like, that guy does a lot of guitar playing. Yeah. You know? And, like, just the easeability of it, too. Like, you know, it's really, I think one of the vibes playing with that by stereo, it's, hey, man, if you think of something cool, you can improvise something really fun that would sound good, just nail it. Yeah. Just don't fuck up, you know what I mean? And if you do, just come back in. And, like, playing with dance kind of taught me a lot about that, you know what I mean? Just, just having fun with the music, you know? Like, yeah, you could sit there and focus every grain of energy on nailing every hit, note for note. And it'll sound really good. But at the end of the day, I mean, dude, it's a punk rock, the hardcore band. Yeah. You know, you, you can make some mistakes here and there, and you can have fun. And usually having fun on stage is going to result in you having some mistakes. Well, and it's and interesting, like, in terms of drummers, you know, I often look for people who play to the song and they've got a really good feel and yet you guys are constantly shifting gears and like this guy's shredding then that guy's shredding then you're shredding you know it somehow just fucking works perfectly like you guys aren't doing like techie prog shit necessarily it's still a punk song but i don't know man somehow it works like how much do you guys put into your arrangements when you're banging these songs out of, of like it could easily be too much and not work you know every, I think we approach it every song's different you know like some songs we'll get in the studio and like dude we've knocked out songs in 20 minutes like Damn. just what we, like Dan or JP or someone has a few parts that link up and it works cool alright what's gonna go after that oh we'll go back to this oh how about this after that and some songs will materialize insanely fast Another ones, you know, will sit and stew on and be like, oh, that part doesn't work. And, you know, it's funny to realize sometimes the songs that just kind of come together are some of the best songs. So they just, they yeah. just flow, you know? And whatever that kind of sounds like at the end of the day, as long as it sounds good, as long as it's cool, fucking fuck it. Yeah. So yeah. before we wrap, I have to shout out, they might have been my last guest, one of my most recent guests, Tsunami Bomb. Uh, oh, yeah. Before, cool. before everything locked down, you guys got to squeeze in a little tour with those guys. How was that? It was a lot of fun. I, I personally didn't know them from back in the 90s and you know early 2000s because I didn't play in Death by Stereo, but I know yeah. that the two bands had had a long history together. And getting to meet, first we met them, we played in, I, I think it was Oregon, like south of Portland somewhere, a smaller whatever we, we played up in Oregon with them somewhere one time yeah. for a show like maybe a year ago or a year before we did that tour and then that kind of materialized into doing that what we did so oh, it was really cool I, you guys were talking about that I think Ephraim said something about those guys and I was like wait you you two that's a weird mix and he said something yeah. about uh, was it Tacoma that you guys played in Tacoma yeah yeah, that is it. yeah, so we, yeah. we played Tacoma and it was a really rowdy night we actually got kicked out of the venue that night after the show happened, <laughs> because there was, like, posters or flyers. I was not going to lie, I was kind of drunk, but there were some posters and flyers on the wall. And some got ripped off. And oh. 
I don't think I don't think it was necessarily like the original old school poster. It was like printouts, you know what I mean? And I don't know who it was, whether it was the owner or manager, I have no idea. But someone got so fucking mad at us. And they ended up kicking us out of the backstage after because these a few of these posters ended up getting ripped off the wall and lost it on us, but we were all drunk. We were all having fun, so it was a laughing matter and yeah, <laughs> that was my first time meeting Tsunami Bomb. It was really cool. Nice. And you guys just did like a, a week on that one or something? Yeah, I think it was like four or five shows. Yeah. Um, we like switch off headliner, you know, we did like Fullerton, the sidebar Fullerton, we did the Viper Room in LA, we did Vegas, the Dive Bar, and we did one of the, I think we did Arizona, somewhere in Arizona. I remember. Oh yeah, the Yucca Tap Room. I remember Dominic saying like, you know, those guys won't admit it, but they're like, they're catchier than they let on, you know? And I was like, yeah, and some of your shit's a little more aggressive than uh, you would think too so I, I, I could see it working it kind of it's a show of the times too you know like in the late 90s early 2000s when you know the band started like those kind of shows made perfect sense yeah. you would get those shows back in the day where you wouldn't have five bands that all sound the same you'd have different bands like I remember going to shows out here you'd go to like the showcase theater in Corona it'd be like a fucking ska band on like a metal show it was really weird you know? <laughs> yeah. but I think it's just there was there weren't that many bands that did that kind of stuff so you just get shows with random ass bands and there's something really cool about that where nowadays not that necessarily it's a bad thing there's so many bands because it's cool you know yeah. you start a band you want to start a band start a band but nowadays I don't think you get that kind of mix that often I think the only places we really see that are international like festivals like festivals in Europe or Australia where you get random ass bands that play the same bills together and it, it doesn't make sense coming from America yeah. but it works and it kind of reminds you of the 90s when that same thing happened you get like No Doubt on a show with some hardcore band or something like that you know in mid 90s when No Doubt wasn't big I think a ska band and a hardcore band was super weird but it seemed to work and I, it kind of had that same feeling you know but it worked that's kind of the the telltale of like a good DJ you know is like yeah. if you're hanging out just with your friends or whatever and some guy's spinning at the place that you're at and you start to hear these songs that do not go together yeah. but are somehow kind of perfect and you're like, how the, how the fuck did he come up with that? Like, then you start looking over at the booth like what this guy is working on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what they should be doing, you know? It's, it's all art at the end of the day. They're all just songs, like yeah. different times call for different songs and you don't want to listen or I don't want to listen to the same shit every day over and over and over yeah. like typically on tours when you know you're in day 20 of a fucking tour you're hearing hardcore and punk rock every night the last thing I'm going to do is go listen on Spotify to a hardcore punk rock playlist Yep. it's just you're getting enough of it already I need a little bit something different you know I don't want to eat the same food every day Yeah. so why would I want to listen to the same music every single day Yeah, you, dude. you gotta like, like multiple things most of the touring I do is through my rap stuff, and it's like when you're listening to four acts of that every night, I'll piss off my other rapper tour mates or whatever, because all I want to play in the van then is punk rock or, or something. Or like, oh, God, let me put on some Metallica. I got to breathe from this same tempo. Totally. And I'm going to be honest, actually. I was very ignorant to the fact that you rap. I did not realize that until today, actually. I was oh, yeah. All your shit. <laughs> that's amazing. That's really, really cool. You don't punk rock and rapping you don't get too many people who jump between those genres nowadays yeah i mean it was one of those things in in high school when i started you know i love the beastie boys and run dmc and stuff but like when yeah. i 
when I started to hear underground hip hop and the shit they were talking about, like I remember specifically Sage Francis had a line about, I go to Fugazi shows requesting minor threat songs. And I was like, wait, what? And so I started, Sage Francis yeah, yeah. And so I started to pick up on the content of some of these underground rappers. And I was like, dude, they're talking about the same shit as we are in our punk band. Like I could do this. This is great. You know? And, uh, you know, it's really hard, like I was saying, to schedule shit with band members and all this stuff. But, like, I can cut away and tour by myself pretty easily. So uh, it's, it's, it's been great. Yeah, no equipment. You don't got to lug around a fucking stack or a bunch of drums or anything like that. Yeah, dude, all I bring is my laptop bag, and it is the greatest. Like, whenever DFS gets back together and we got to – I'm pushing out the 810 and the 412s. I'm like, God damn it. I don't have to do this anymore. It's insane, man. That's why, like, I, I, I've been writing a lot of solo stuff lately, or just, just kind of writing a bunch of shit lately, you know, recording it through this COVID thing. Yeah. And I swear, the next project I do, I'm going to I'm gonna play guitar bass, and I'm like, I can't do another band new drums. <laughs> yeah, dude. My first drummer used to always be like, man, I should have played the flute. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine the singer. Most singers don't even have their own microphone they break. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, they don't have, they have nothing. And as a drummer, you see that and after you kind of show, it's either like you either headline, which in which case you have to get your shit off the stage because the place with the clothes and you want to leave. Yeah. Or you play first, which means you have to get there early. Set your, you know what I mean? Or you're playing in the middle, which means... Dude, the middle is the fast. worst. You got to take it off fast. And it's just... Yeah. Oh, man. It's an asshole. I'm not going to lie. Drums are... I love playing them, but it's a fucking asshole to lug them around. Well, yeah. And when you're doing like a super physical hardcore punk set too like the last thing you want to do yeah. is like load up all your fucking shit and then play a strenuous set and then pull it off really quick yeah and like dude i i'm a sweater i sweat a yeah. lot like inordinate amounts of sweat so after a show too i'm lug my shit i'm still dripping sweat over everything all my lugs and my drums are rusty just because <laughs> i sweat so much and it's like they can never dry so i'll get off of a tour even if I have a new snare, like brand new hoops, and every lug will have rust starting on them. Because <laughs> I, I can't take the time to, oh, you want to get done, or wipe my kit down and do this. Yeah. It's always like, all right, hurry up, let's do this. Or even if it's not leave, it's hurry up, pack your shit up so we can go party. We can go somewhere else and have a drink. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, all right. So it's just rush, rush, rush all the time. Yep. Man. Well, nobody will be hitting the road for a minute. What do you guys have yep. uh, planned for this record? I know you said you're shooting a music video. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna roll out a few singles, um, like about a month apart, about, and we're gonna have videos coinciding with every single up until the release. Badass, man! I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. I saw that both you guys and Strike Anywhere, they haven't put out shit in even longer. And uh, man, I, I, it's the time. You know, we need good political punk rock happening again. Yeah. Yeah, that's, we actually, we have a song we did with Thomas from Second where on that last EP we did. I heard that. Um, and they seen us that. It's like kind of much more popular, kind of, you know, like one melodic song we got, but I was I was so stoked when I heard that he was going to be on a song. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. Good shit. Those awesome guys, school, yeah. Those guys are amazing, man. Uh, that was a band that I literally discovered. I was buying something at the record store here in town, and they had... A spindle of CDs. They were, I mean, they were manufactured. They weren't CDRs, but they had no cases. They were just on yeah. a spindle, and it was like, it had like a little sticker, like for fans of whatever punk bands or something. And I was yeah. like, all right, I'll take one of these, and it put it on. And it changes the sound. I'm like, holy fuck! 
Oh, yeah. Dude, they're, they have a knack for writing some catchiest punk rock. Yeah. That it, it's just, it's rewarding to listen to. You know, you listen to those things and every part they go to, you're like, of course you went to that part. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. They're, just, they're such a clever band, you know? Like, they don't, you don't have to be completely tech and nuts. They just write such good stuff. And Thomas's voice, like, it's hard to find a punk band whose singer fits the sound like as good as Thomas does. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I always admire the vocalists who can switch off the singing and screaming things so effortlessly. Because for yeah. me, I've got to like, I mean, I can scream much easier than I can scream and then try to hit a note, you know, because I, I just oh, wreck my voice, you know. Yeah, no, it's brutal. It's, you're, you're, it's two completely different now, it comes from different areas in your body when you're screaming and when you're actually trying to sing. And that's one of the things I love about you guys, too, is, like, you'll have some big fucking anthem and then just the gnarliest breakdown ever. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, and I, I love the way Ephraim can do that, too. You know, I think his voice is a very original voice. So when you hear him scream, you don't expect the voice that you get when he starts to sing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's almost like, what? Same guy? And, you know, I think he's one of the first guys to really start doing that kind of thing, too, where you'd have the ridiculously yelled, screamed parts, and then this, like, flowing chorus with, like, melodic notes in it. Yeah. And I think he was one of the early-on guys that kind of, like, did that for hardcore. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the... I mean, I don't want to make generalizations, but I'll say it's easy to do it wrong, where it sounds gimmicky to, like, switch gears and, oh, now, now we're doing this sort of pop punk thing and then now we're doing this sort of metal thing and whatever but like I feel like it, when it's honest you can tell you know and it, you, it's well, just like it, you got all your influences coming out of you it's just natural like it works yeah, more than well Kurt, Kurt Ballou from Converge I think called mm -hmm. it out the best it's the good cop bad cop <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's like it, it's true it, 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 once you've heard one band or a few bands do it really good it sounds like something that's really easy to do and if you, like you said, it could be done so bad, where not even like they're singing bad, but it just is cheesy. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, too obvious. It's been done. Find your own voice. You don't need to do that, you know? Well, and, and with aggressive music, too, I feel a certain way about screaming when it's like, you can hear when there's passion and heart in it. And then, yeah. you, and then you can also hear when they're just like kind of fizzing up their throat trying to like sound a certain way. Like, I, I really like metal music, but I don't yeah. listen to a ton of metal bands just because I feel like it doesn't have the same like heart that, that hardcore has, you know, in the vocals. No, I know, I know. I, I think it's too methodical sometimes. So some singers will do that where you're like, you see them singing, yeah. and you're like, you're not putting forth any effort into that, but it sounds like you're like a fucking growling bear. Yeah. But it's like, you don't see any of the activity that involved, that gets involved with it. Yeah. I think, you know, probably me and you are the same on this, growing up in punk rock and hardcore, you see people that scream in those genres that are going nuts. Yeah, you so want the passion. Fits, their voice fits their action. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then you'll see some singers scream their brains out but they're very like soft and they're very mellow and it almost doesn't make sense to me sometimes yeah but no I'm I'm the same man well shit uh, is there anything we didn't cover I feel pretty good about it yeah man that's fun thank you for having me on man I guess if I could say one thing 
check out my clothing brand, Learn to Forget. Learn to Forget underscore on uh, Instagram. So check out Learn to Forget. Uh, yeah. Pre-order the Death by Stereo record. We're all dying just oh. in time. Well, uh, I had fun. Hopefully you did. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, can't wait for the new record. You fucking shred. You're one of my favorites, man. And uh, thank you so much, man. Ho- hopefully, sooner than later, we'll be able to make it back up to your town. Yes. Share the woods on a tour and say what's up and get a good hang. Yes. Eventually. Yes, someday. I wanna, yeah. I wanna open up for you guys, man. We'll, we'll get them nice yeah. and riled up. I would love it. I would love it. All right, that was shameless on my part, but goddamn, what a great guy, great band. All right, you can check out We're All Dying Just In Time, August 7th. Pre-order that shit like I did from Indecision Records. And we're going to check out a brand new song. I'm about to hear it for the first time myself. It's called Free Gun With Purchase. Again, this is produced by the mighty Paul Miner from We're All Dying Just In Time. This is Death By Stereo.